Good afternoon and welcome to COVID-19 update, stories and lessons from the front lines of IT, a health system CIO Media Inc. production sponsored by Improvada. Just a little housekeeping before we get started. My name is Anthony Guerra. I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Health System CIO, and I will be your moderator today. We do have some interactive features we want you to take advantage of. You can send in your questions and comments in the Q&A box as they occur to you. We'll take them later in the program. We are going to have a little audience poll later we'd like you to engage with, and you can download the deck using the URL on your screen, and it'll be sent out in the chat box. Just so you see how we're going to spend our time today, we have a nice panel today. We're going to go about 35, 40 minutes with the main panel, and then we're going to have our audience Q&A. Today we've got Kathy Ross, CIO at Broward Health, Chuck Podesta, Interim CIO at UConn Health, and Sri Bharadwaj, Senior Director and CISO with UCI Health, and Wes Wright, CTO with Improvada. So we got a lot to talk about, and we have a number of wonderful panelists, so we're going to jump right in. Kathy, let's start with you. Can you give me an overview of your organization and your role? Sure. My name's Kathy Ross. I'm the Chief Information Officer at Broward Health System, one of the 10th largest health systems in the United States. We have about 1,600 beds, approximately 60,000 emissions a year, 300,000 ER visits and over $200,000, I'm sorry, outpatient visits per year. We are situated down in a beautiful Fort Lauderdale. All right, very good, Kathy. Thank you for that. Uh, Chuck? Uh, Hi, Anthony. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for taking uh, time out of your busy schedules. Um, Again, I'm uh, Chuck Podesta. I'm the interim uh, CIO of UConn Health. Uh, we're situated in Hartford, Connecticut, and um, I've been here, actually only been here since uh, January 31st, so I've gotten thrown into the whole uh, COVID-19 uh, uh, project, if you want to call it that, um, uh, right off the bat, uh, so hopefully be able to talk to you about that from a beginner's perspective. Um, retired from UCI uh, last October, uh, University of California, Irvine Health. And uh, I was telling these, these folks on the panel that I was uh, looking to uh, maybe move into the vendor world, but um, decided to take this interim position and uh, wouldn't have missed it for the world. Um, this is just a once-in-a-lifetime event from an IT perspective, although although sad in, in many respects, but uh, it's a time for us to, to shine. So uh, UConn Health is an academic medical center. We also have a school of medicine, a large school of dentistry and uh, a clinical research uh, as well. And um, I'll stop right there. Very good, Chuck. Thank you. Sri? Mm-hmm. UC Irvine Health. Uh, thanks, uh, Anthony, for the uh, for your uh, nice introduction here. Uh, UC Irvine Health is based out of uh, uh, Southern California, five minutes away from Disneyland. Uh, uh, patients who get to Disneyland have an event at Disneyland, typically land up in our hospital, uh, 450-bed hospital down uh, about uh, just off the 5 freeway uh, for those who understand and know Southern California. Uh, a large academic medical center connected to the uh, University of California Medical Centers, um, UCLA Health, UCSD, UCSF, and UC uh, Davis Health. Um, and uh, part of the product group allows us to do a lot more uh, from a California perspective, understand what's going on in California. Uh, in addition to that, um, UC Irvine, which is uh, our uh, educational campus, uh, we, where we are tied to uh, with uh, several thousand students um, who are part of that model and uh, who we've been able to understand what's going on from a um, academic side too. So a lot of learning, a lot of uh, uh, feedback for today. Very good. Thank you. Wes? Hey, morning, Anthony. Uh, morning for me, afternoon for others, I guess. Uh, uh, name's Wes Wright. I'm the Chief Technology Officer at uh, Improvada, the uh, beloved one sign uh, company. Uh, 22, about 2,200 uh, healthcare uh, customers out there. 
uh, you know, we're, we're branching out from the, from that tap and go that you know, us uh, into the digital identity management with the, some of our newer products like identity governance. Uh, like Chuck, uh, uh, I was, uh, uh, in the provider, uh, organizations for about 25 years and, and then actually did make the decision, uh, to join the vendor community a couple of years ago when I, when I moved over to be the CTO at Improvada and, uh, uh, again, like Chuck, uh, I wouldn't have missed this experience for the world. Improvise is a great company. Very good. Excellent. All right. Uh, first main question. Um, Chuck, let's start with you. How hard has COVID-19 hit your community where your health system is and your health system? Yeah, we're right at the beginning of the surge, Anthony. Um, you know, based on our location, if you guys know Hartford, Connecticut, we're actually midway between uh, New York City and Boston, which are two hotspots. And uh, so those dots are starting to connect now at, at Hartford. So we're, we're behind New York and Boston from the standpoint of a surge, but it started uh, last Friday. Um, we went from a small amount of COVID patients to doubling almost every single day since then. Uh, our death rates are up as well, uh, unfortunately. Um, that's that's whole, oh. Um, part of the uh, the issue as well. Um, so luckily, we did have some time to prepare while New York City was in uh, reactive mode in Boston as well. We saw what was going on there, knew what was going to come up uh, in Hartford uh, County. So uh, we had time to, to get moving. And I know we'll talk about some things there, but uh, we're about a week into it. It looks like from the data models that our peak will be sometime in early May, maybe even into the second week in May. So we still have a ways to go. Very good, Sri. Um, we were up to the forefront of uh, getting to understand what was happening. Uh, California was one of the larger states to be impacted. And uh, um, Orange County initially had quite a few cases while LA um, kind of uh, stood out after San Francisco. So several several initiatives to understand how do we help move this forward for us. Um, you know, earlier on uh, in, the, in the middle of March, uh, we actually um, published a, a, a request for uh, how we are actually combating the, uh, uh, the virus situation with the Orange County community. Uh, and there are two things that we started doing. Uh, one is uh, accelerating research. Um, you know, we had a team of uh, uh, UCI researchers uh, working on a therapeutic study, uh, drug study backed by National, National Institute of Health. Uh, and this is, you know, something what we thought, and I think the nation thought was the first clinical trial uh, that has possible efficacy, which should be and uh, we're hoping that we can get the patients uh, looped into that one. And then uh, we started in a big way, uh, integrative health, uh, where uh, you're bringing wellness through integration. Now wellness, um, you know, keeping your hands clean and, you know, um, six feet apart kind of discussion. Uh, we become part of that process. And uh, that's something that we, we move forward pretty quickly uh, down that effort. Uh, that's been our initial foray, uh, apart from getting into the, you know, the, we'll talk a little bit more about the virtual care process as well. All right, very good. Um, Wes, what's been your experience dealing with customers? I mean, you've got customers all over the country. Some are in hotspots, some aren't. Um, so what's that experience been like? Are you almost, you know, putting out fires here and there and helping folks in that way? The the um, you're you're right, Anthony. The, mo most of our customers, you know, they they love us, but they don't want to see us. <laughs> they, don't, <laughs> they don't want us. They don't want us on site, and, and which is which is totally 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 uh, understandable. Um, so we've been we've had to adjust how we how we do things, and that is, uh, um, you know, a lot of our technology, especially our remote access technology. Uh, our one side technology, the tap and go stuff to where you don't have to mess with the keyboard. You know, it, it's, it's a little bit mm, essential 
to to mm-hmm. some of the some of the workflows that happen. So we still have to keep up with deployments and that kind of thing. And matter of fact, we we gave away or are giving away uh, free uh, remote access licenses uh, until right now. It's until the end of July. I could probably see that bumping out, depending as as Chuck was saying the. The peaks are coming a little later than what we than what we thought that they were going to. So I could see that bumping out. So uh, it's uh, we've we've really had to adjust to um, uh, doing a lot more remote where we used to we used to go on site and and make those personal connections and and be able to whiteboard in person. Uh, so there's that uh, one and then and two we have had some requests for you know product enhancements and that kind of thing that before it would be, you know, we wanted, we wanted, here, here's the product and this product, you know, this request plus this request plus this request, that's a, that's a hundred percent what we want to, what, what the product wants to be. And now instead of uh, this request and then waiting to to get this one in and waiting to get this one in, we're, we're all about uh, getting out that minimum viable product and mm. not not letting perfect become the enemy of good uh, so that so that we can help our our healthcare customers deal with this covid crisis yeah so i think we'll talk about that some of that go 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 um yeah. a mentality and attitude that's required right now um kathy you want to tell us a little bit about what what's happening down uh, by you yes hi down in um broward south florida is one of the hard hit areas as well we in the Tri-County area between Dade, West Palm Beach, and Broward, we really makes up the largest amount of COVID patients in all of Florida. We have really changed the world, I mean, and how we deliver care. And COVID has really um, caused us to rethink everything. I mean, I think one of the things that this challenge has brought is nothing's out off the table anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it has really opened up the the thinking of the healthcare in general on how we can deliver care and how we can meet the needs of our community. I think that is one of the things that we'll be discussing later, but how can we still take care of our community when we're on lockdown and everyone has this fear that they're going to be getting something worse if they actually get healthcare right now? Mm-hmm. Yep. Really good point. Really good point. All right. Next question. Um, Sri, let's start with you. What are some of the main things IT has done to support the health system's response? And some of the things we've been hearing about telehealth, telecommuting for, for staff that can do that, reporting and analytics for analyzing the situation and understanding what's going on. Sri, you want to jump in? Yeah. So uh, I think every institution has done some of this in some way shape or form uh telecommuting is the norm right it's not this is not uh, we had done telecommuting before so this is not new it's just that everybody telecommuting at the same time was something that we had not thought through uh but well, we had the technologies tools capabilities to make it work um that was not the issue uh, the telecommuting for it was fine but telecommuting across for the organization itself was something new that that is something that we had not contemplated. So of course, uh, the rush to buy laptops and iPads and everything else uh, had to happen. Um, the rush to you know also provide you know uh, ability for video visits for physicians, uh, buying the cameras and putting the cameras in and getting them working as quickly as possible. Start generating video visits. Uh, those were some of the things that we did. Um, the one thing which you know stands out is communication. Um, our need for us to update our community, our, on the, on the other hand side, the broader aspect of students uh, from the ECI campus perspective was an important factor too. Um, we had to keep the website updated. We had to have various people correlate the stuff and put it all together while we were all in some way, shape or form telecommuting. Uh, that was an important thing that we found to be uh, a big factor in helping calming some of the people's ideas and thoughts about how we do this right. Uh, the second big thing is how are we focused on our employees? 
A lot of our employees obviously are in the front lines dealing with uh, patients with COVID, uh, dealing with uh, several of these challenges on a day-to-day basis. How do we keep them calm? How do we help them through this process? Not just provide a technology that will work, but making sure that they are supported, not just a um, um, helping them through with the right PPEs, um, sourcing masks. You know, these are the kind of things that uh, really help us become a better, stronger healthcare environment. And I think that is what we focused on outside of the typical standard telecommuting and telehealth stuff. The one thing which we definitely did was reporting. Uh, we had to do that as a, uh, for our leadership to understand what was going on. Uh, we run Epic. Um, obviously, Epic released uh, quite a few uh, COVID-19 updates, um, and uh, that was very useful uh, for us to use those uh, reporting dashboards and uh, uh, similar data uh, generation and distribution mechanisms for our leadership. All right, very good. Wes, when you're, you know, in addition to the things that, that customers are doing with your stuff, I mean, you know a lot of these folks personally from all your time on the provider side. So I would imagine those conversations are going a little deeper. Maybe they get into, you know, here's, here's all the stuff we're doing. What are you hearing as far as maybe the main things that CIOs are trying to get their arms around right now? Yeah, it's it's coming in a couple of different way, waves, uh, Anthony. The uh, you know right there at the beginning, uh, when when lockdown first started happening, um, most of the CIOs, CTOs, my peers uh, that that are out there that <laughs> still communicate me communicate with me despite me being on the vendor side, um, <laughs> um, they they, uh, uh, they were you know neck deep in building out capability. Uh, whether it was a, a drive-through uh, COVID testing tent, uh, or uh, you know we're we're using this conference room or that those beds that we had closed down uh, for more potential bed space, so they were they were neck deep in trying to get new locations up and running. Uh, and, and once that little wave passed, and they kind of could breathe, uh, and it's still there a little bit, you know. It, Building out a new location is a lot harder than most people think it is when, okay, so you put up a tent. Well, when you put up a tent, you put up a tent, and then you have to give connectivity to that tent, and then you have to put some devices in that tent. And then, oh, logically, in your EHR, you have to build locations and workflows for that tent and so on and so forth. So that that took two, three weeks for, for that wave to pass. Uh, and, and now, now we're seeing people be able to lift their heads up a little bit and breathe. Uh, and, and what their main, absolute main number one focus right now is stability. Because you know, while, while a doctor's or a clinician is is in a patient room, uh, you know, gowned up, masked up, uh, that's the that's the last time you want to to have your EHR access uh, have something go wrong with it. So it's all about stability right now. Uh, now that we've got the build out done, it's all about stability. Very good, Kathy. Honestly, we have done everything that the group has already discussed, but it has been in an expeditious fashion. Telehealth is something that my organization was just barely touching their toe in. And now it's rolled out everywhere. And it's not just your typical physician to, to their patients remotely. It, now we have telepresence from the ED to the tents, from the COVID patients in the room that's in isolation. We have iPads so that the consulting physicians don't have to go in so we can reduce our equipment. We have our ambulatory physicians who were really kind of resistant to virtual visits, now their offices are closed down and they're only doing virtual visits to try to help. And this has really changed how we are delivering care in the entire community. And I think this is going to be something that is really causing creativity where it was always before resisted. As far as telecommuting to work, IT had always in my organization been able to work from home but not everybody at once. 
And then we sent home approximately 1,500 people in three days. And we had to stand that up, create a mechanism for employees to get into their devices and have the bandwidth in three days. I mean, this is things that if you'd have asked us, you know, four months ago, can you make this happen by next week? Everybody in the entire country would have probably said, no, we can't do it. We didn't have the option of saying, no, we can't do it. We had to do it or close our doors. And we did it. We created videos for training. We increased our service desk to help with hands-on support. And now the outcome of that is that my organization is really looking post-COVID-19 at having a large remote virtual workforce because of the productivity level. It's changing everything. Yep. It's changing everything. And analytics, I think this is another area where my organization has moved 100% to a data-driven organization. We early on started creating a dashboard that pulled in multiple bits of information from numerous sources so that we know how many ventilators we have. We know how many PPEs we have per site. We know how many PIU patients we have, how many we have that are potential going to be needed in ICU with predictions. I mean, every meeting is based off that dashboard that we're constantly tweaking. I think this has elevated IT in the minds of everyone. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll bet. I'll bet. Well said. Well said, Kathy. Thank you. Um, Chuck? Yeah, no, it's uh, it's very similar to what um, Tree and, and Kathy just talked about. You know, March is just a blur. Uh, I can't even remember from one day to the next what we were doing because it was the same, you know, getting – we same thing, fifteen hundred people to work from home, set up virtual meetings, we had to drive through tent to do telehealth we stood up in seventy two hours, which uh, would have been years at this organization. Um, uh, but it's just amazing to see what can happen to an organization when everybody's working towards one common goal. Um, we did the same thing with iPads. That's been amazing. And even We've used in the ICU for compassionate care with the patient and their families. We Unfortunately, we've had some incidents where, you know, the patients are kind of being given last rites and mm-hmm. families are not in the area there. Well, they're certainly not, vi- some, certainly not visiting, but sometimes they're in other states and uh, when this is going on. And so they've been able to talk to their loved ones or at least their loved ones to talk to them at the very end. So um, when you see something like that, it's like, wow, this is really amazing, the impact of IT and just what an iPad can do um, to a particular family. Uh, It's just amazing. Um, We're focused now on on the analytics as well, but also on the surge prep, because we are in the middle of that now. We're adding 230 beds uh, to the organization. We had FEMA come in uh, last Monday, get out of the way when they come in with the national guard, they are, <laughs> they, they just go, they cleaned out a couple of floors in one day. They started in the morning they were done by the end of the day. And we've got two units, uh, stood up in like three days with all the equipment in there and ready to go. Um, we're well on our way to getting the 230 beds open. Hopefully we don't need them. Um, but they'll be there. Uh, on the analytics side, we're following a lot of I- IHME. Uh, that's the UW work that was done with uh, Microsoft, Chris Murray. Awesome job. Um, uh, the whole peak, it seems to be moving. I think that's, a lot of that's because of social distancing is actually working. It's, uh, you know, the number of um, admissions across the country are going, uh, have, have kind of flattened out a little bit. But the peak has also moved as well. Um, so there's still the potential for a surge there. There's another one called COVID-19 Case Mapper, just opened up from Google and Stanford. Uh, that one gets down to the zip code level. That one's really interesting for us because uh, Fairview County and, and New Haven County near, near New York tends to skew uh, Connecticut uh, counts because it's so close to New York City. We're a little further away, so having zip code level uh, data is, is a lot better for us. But um, uh, all in all, very, very similar to what everybody else is doing. Very good. All right, next question. Um, another area people talk about is speeding up the change management process. 
And can it even be called a process process anymore, or is it now just go, go, go? Chuck, you mentioned that before we jumped on the line today. Um, So that's really governance, right? Change management? Well, are those the same things in your mind, change management and governance? And where is it now? And are we losing anything by not having sort of that formal governance? Are are things sliding through that wouldn't? Is that okay? Are we going to have to clean things up down the road that may have gone through or been done a little bit quicker than we wanted. Wes, let me start with you. What are your thoughts around that? Yeah, well, your first question uh, is governance and change management the same. I don't, I don't think of them as the same. The, the governance is is what I kind of use to to determine my my priorities and what I should buy and what I shouldn't buy. And my change management folks were were pretty much all my uh, my techno geeks that we all sat around the the table and said, okay, if I change this. Is your applications and stuff going to be okay? Um, so the the big difference to me in, in my head, um, you know, as we discussed a little earlier on on the call before we went live, um, no, actually we were live. Uh, we're, we're, we've really started taking on a, a, a an MVP, uh, minimum viable product uh, kind mm-hmm. of focus, uh, instead of uh, building out. Uh, 80% or 90, 100% of a, a capability. Hey, we're chunking it up and, and we're going to give you, you know, 20% right now because 20% of something uh, is better than 0% of nothing. Uh, and so we've, we've taken on that, that mindset. Uh, and um, I, I think that that's, that's kind of the, that, that MVP mindset is setting in, uh, in healthcare too is, is, uh, yeah, I, I can't I can't make it to where this technology is completely seamless to you, clinician. But you know what? I can give you this technology so that you can get this task done. And you might have to fiddle with it a little more than I'd like to. And then I'll take some I'll take some time later down the road to to get to get to that 100 percent for you. But for now here, this this uh, this this will help you get your job done. Kathy. Well, I think for my shop, it's been modified. Change management and governance have been modified. It hasn't been thrown away, but one of the things that has been a positive is the fact that my team and the change management process are more engaged and focused and have daily calls about what is necessary and make sure that we don't cause unintentional harm with something that we're doing. So I think we're actually doing better focused change management discussions. And the same is happening with governance. We are so connected with the businesses, with the clinicians, with the CEOs, that we're making rapid decisions on what we will do and what we will not do and what can be done and what can't be done. And we're delivering on that um, need quickly. So the business owners, the clinicians are aware that if we don't make this decision, it's not going to go forward. We're not doing anything without having the business owners at the table, and it's happening extremely fast. And we're, we're making changes multiple times a day. We're adding new COVID requirements into our EMR every day. We're putting new capabilities in from a technical side standpoint every day and the businesses are a hundred percent aware of what we're doing which has never never happened it's amazing uh chuck yeah uh it's very similar what we're we've taken the approach of 80 percent fast versus 100 percent slow and i think in the past the way governance has worked has been really that 100 percent slow you know even in change management you want everything to be perfect before you move something from test to production we're not doing that anymore. It's we're 80% there. It's moving. We'll clean it up later. Uh, what we're finding is that um, the providers, even normally, they would see a problem and you know right away be screaming at IT, and and now they're much more patient uh, around that because they know that these things, as as Kathy said, they're very connected to what IT is doing, and they understand the iterative processes we're taking, and they're working with us. Uh, and they're now they're they're very much a partner, and I'm um, hoping that that continues 
uh, in the future. From a governor's perspective, my com- governor's committee is the command center right now, and they meet. Uh, we have a virtual call every single morning at nine o'clock, and so things are changing on a daily, hourly basis. And and that's our governance committee right now. There is no monthly or quarterly committee. It's a daily committee. And uh, it's amazing what you can get done. And it'll just be interesting to see how much of this post-COVID from a structural standpoint, governance and change management, how how much of that changes as well. Definitely. Sri? when I look at governance, I mean, you're looking at input and output and some ways to means to manage that, right? If I need, if I have an input to or, or, or a request that I need to make and I have to deliver an output within four hours, <laughs> the governance is embedded into the process in a way, right? That's what's happened to us. I mean, we, we, we there's nothing called the business and IT anymore. It's, it's us coming together and saying, how do what information can we get from our EMR and deliver that information to the physician in order for him to make a better determination of that specific case? Um, that's been the model, right? You 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 don't uh, you go and go around round in circles trying to figure out how are we going to do it. You just figure it out. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, surge surge planning, right? Uh, our uh, incident command center Hicks uh, picks it up and run with it. Uh, we identify how are we going to get that done. Uh, we work with Epic, pull the data together, understand their their COVID-19, um, you know, a cookbook that they put together fairly quickly, and uh, we we are delivering a solution within within days uh, for managing that process. Uh, that is a classic example of if if you are going to be doing surge planning. Uh, search planning is like almost bringing a brand new module uh, of activity into the into the system. Uh, it's it's it it could take months. It's been delivered in days. So there is governance right through the various stages, and in many respects, uh, the output may not have been matched what the input had really wanted. So we go back and adjust that. We created departments. We we created a uh, a tent. Um, within a day, we were able to generate. Uh, DEPs, which is departments and everything else that needs to get flushed out, including lab orders, medications, physicians, nurses, access, security, you name it, it's all worked out within a matter of hours. So, uh, and by the way, we've been, we've become very good at it, right? Uh, so um, that, that is, that is how we are changing the way we operate. Uh, not just, uh, you know, one-off things out there that we used to manage through governance process, uh, it's 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 very different. And by the way, um, capital uh, as a as a financial aspect is also going to change how we do business in the future too. Uh, expecting quick ROI, uh, delivering value where we think there is definite um, uh, value that we can generate for them, and uh, spending as appropriate because governance is also about spending about. How do we manage our operating expense? How do we manage our capital expense and so on and so forth? In this case, um, we had to do this as quickly as possible. So um, there was some leeway from that perspective too. Very good, all right. I wanna get some audience questions in here. Uh, So uh, first question for Wes, have clients been demanding touch and go hardware at their homes to cut down login times and what adjustments had to happen for that? Yeah, uh, thanks. Great question. Uh, no, not really. Um, you know, the, the tap and go, the hardware piece of the tap and go uh, is, is really to promote that that quick login, log out uh, at, at a workstation, a shared clinical workstation. And since most folks are working from home from the, the same PC that they've always worked from, uh, all, all you're doing is, you know, they may log in just once a day. And so what we're seeing most people do is uh, instead of using a badge tap, they just log into one sign there uh, uh, if they have it delivered to them. Uh, so, no, we're not seeing a big uptick on that in the U.S. Uh, now, in the U.K., uh, they have something called uh, the spine, which is where a bunch of their applications reside. And to get to that, um, they have to use a, a, a smart card. And we're we're seeing... Uh, that uh, the UK folks are are sending those home 
with their remote uh, providers. But in the U.S., no, not really any any demand for that. Funny though, we are getting a lot of demand for the uh, some keyboards, some H, uh, HSI keyboards that that uh, uh, have a key called Santa Key uh, that you can press and it locks down the keyboard and and you can. Uh, 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 sterilize it and it, and it record the, it's got software that records when the last time it, it was, uh, it was cleaned and that kind of stuff, but no, nothing really at home. Very good. All right. Next question. Um, Kathy, let's start with you on this. Can you comment on where you will invest the COVID-19 healthcare assistance funds? Will it be clinical or technology? That is a great question. And I honestly don't know the answer to that yet because our our systems are going undergoing such financial um, impact for this COVID-19. I mean, our hospitals, we're really at half capacity. We have some furloughed staff. There is, I can't predict what exactly we will do with the money. The fortunate thing is that we had a robust technology plan that we were able to fund with our capital Currently, so I don't necessarily think that we'll be using a lot of it for technology. Chuck? Yeah, I, I agree. I think on the technology side, you know, telehealth, there's a certain amount of money geared towards those expenses, and we're certainly going after that. That's limited to a million dollars. And then there's uh, uh, some other telehealth uh, pilots that you can apply for that are funded as well. But I think a lot of it is going to go to the losses of the organization. I mean, when you close, we're, our ambulatory is closed, everybody's closed, the electives are closed, uh, big money makers, um, you know, everybody's going to end the year in, in a deficit. So I, I think it'll never, the money will never make up 100% of those losses, but I think a lot of it will go towards at least alleviating some of that. Sri? Um, for us, uh, most of that is going to clinical aspect improvements. Uh, as Chuck said, you know, probably the million dollars of the FCC that could get into the tele, um, uh, tele aspect of it, but, uh, uh, it's most of it on the clinical side, particularly with the revenue loss piece. Uh, that's where the funding will go to. All right. Very good. Um, next question. Will you be submitting grant proposals for the CARES Act telehealth section? If yes, what will your ask be for? Chuck, thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, absolutely. We're actually going after both. Uh, we're still writing the Connected Health one. Uh, that's the pilot uh, program, so I'm not sure the cost on that, but the, um, the telehealth, we're up to about 600000 at this point that we're going after uh, for, for that funding. Three. Uh, definitely, we are uh, on the telehealth side, no doubt about it. Uh, of course, the the grant is limited to a million dollars, so uh, we'll apply for all of it. Obviously, uh, there are several other, from a California perspective, state-based uh, uh, grants and funding mechanisms uh, that we will uh, be subscribing to, uh, especially since we are doing some of the research work as well, um, we've got uh, Dr. Al Peshamin, uh, widely quoted uh, uh, chair of internal medicine, uh, who's doing a lot of work around uh, clinical research. So there's definitely opportunity there, uh, but uh, it's 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 you know uh, we will be going after as much as we can uh, because of uh, you know our ambulatory visits, our um, surgery centers, non-elective surgeries, and all all this shut down. So. Electrosurgery is shut down. You you have a lot of capacity you could have used uh, otherwise. So we we will be you know going off for all of that stuff. Kathy, I, I agree with with both of them. We're we're going after the full one million. We are looking at it across all different platforms. We have a large international um, presence here that we have for that we're going to be asking for telehealth. Um, funding for, expanding in our ambulatory section, even to the point of upgrading our telephony solution to be able to, to support better telemedicine um, exchanges. So we're going after a full million and any other grant that we can qualify, we're looking at everything because we, we really need 
to help fund some of these solutions that we put in quickly. Now we have to go back and do it correctly. Well said, well said. Um, all right, next question has, uh, well, let's, let's go with this one. Um, this would be really for Epic Shops, but I want to get Wes's opinion on anything he's heard. How has Epic been able to handle the demand? Have they been able to keep up with the clinical support and technical support demand? Wes, have you heard anything? And then we'll go to, uh, and I think Sri's an Epic Shop, and I don't know about Chuck and Kathy, but Wes, you want to jump in first? Yeah, I, I think they've done an extraordinary job. Uh, you know, the, the, uh, everything going, moving to telehealth very, very quickly. Um, they uh, they uh, integrated with uh, Zoom uh, for consults, uh, and I just read something today that the same type of Zoom integration that they've done, they're also doing with Microsoft Teams. Um, the um, They've stood up some COVID uh, modules within Epic for data analytics. Uh, yeah, I, I think Epic's done a, done a tremendous job in, in response, and I think they're they're in that go 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 minimum viable viable product uh, kind of mindset right now as well. And I'd be interested to hear what the Sri has to say about it being an Epic shop. Sri, so uh, it is definitely uh, rewarding when you have a an Epic vendor as like a partner. Um, Epic kind of put out initially some of the things that we were struggling with when they saw most of their customers struggling with that process. Uh, they stepped up and um, created a roadmap for their customers on what are the things that we should be looking at? How should we be looking at things? And uh, I don't know if you guys have heard, the Javits Center in, in New York City uh, is an epic. Uh, it was, it was, it was, was done through a, a phenomenal capability there. Uh, same thing with McCormick Place in Chicago. A lot of people, a lot of capabilities were brought to Epic and go from there. Um, the um, the uh, telemedicine aspect of Epic is really something that we believe uh, will be helpful. Uh, Epic is putting together a lot of uh, plans to integrate um, video visits into their modules. Um, I, I heard that there was uh, there is a, a possibility of Epic releasing its own uh, video visit capability. Not that they did not have some integration as well, but this will be helpful for their customers. Um, they've done a lot of work in, our, in dashboarding, reporting. Um, very important thing that we are looking at doing with uh, what the uh, vice president sent out in terms of a letter uh, for data that needs to be submitted on a daily, weekly basis to the feds, uh, Epic uh, helped us through the process by giving us software updates that we could deploy quickly uh, into the environment. Um, and they have turned around their uh, development missionary very fast, very quick. Um, that, I think, is, is really helpful um, for us as an Epic customer to, to deliver back to our physicians, our patients, and make sure we've got the right feedback uh, that we can provide back to Epic as well. Kind of a, you know, day-to-day -day call. And the uh, other part is they, they called us, they talked to us, they understand what, what our struggles are and are willing to have the, the entire, uh, you know, organization staff help with some of the challenges that we have. Um, pulled out all stops to help us, I think, that's what you can ask out of an EMR vendor at this time. Well, that's uh, quite a testimonial. Um, Kathy, are you on Epic? And if not, um, how's your vendor responded to helping you out? No, Anthony, we're a Cerner shop, and I have mm -hmm. to tell you, they have been absolutely phenomenal. They have been a partner like they have never been before. They are fully engaged with everything that's going on in my organization. They're part of my team. They are... Uh, releasing updates daily that helps us in the in the workforce they are offering us workforce assistance in case we need additional help uh, they they've stepped up and done amazing amazing very good very good chuck any thoughts there yeah we're an epic shop as well we, we use an you know my chart 
uh, Epic MyChart video visits with Zoom uh, uh, integrated in. Works great. They've been awesome. We get a daily update from them uh, with all the tips and tricks and changes that they've they've seen other people do. They're very. It's a very collaborative group, as you know, with Epic clients. Their dashboarding is amazing because you can share that. Like we can share with Hartford Hospital, New Haven, you know, New Haven, and others, and and look at you know how we're doing with supplies, how we're doing with admissions, and and uh, just tracking a lot of this data together, um, which has been which has been really great and collaborative. So uh, no complaints at all. Very good. Um, all right, we're going to launch our poll here. Uh, which you should see now. Um, and then we'll have Wes guess at the results, which I enjoy. Guess with Wes. Remember that, Wes? It's, it's our new thing. Um, thus far, the U.S. healthcare system has stood up well to the test that COVID-19 has presented. Agree or disagree? And to battle COVID-19, health systems have made some changes that we've talked about today, such as remote care, that are long overdue and will not be undone when things get back to normal. So um, is this one of those inflection points in history, as it were, um, that nothing is really the same as it was before? Um, I think it might be. Uh, so uh, it's very interesting. Um, so go ahead and answer those, and we will get back to our questions. We have another question from the audience. Um, has anyone used other types of technology such as robots for this pandemic? So anything along the lines of robots, anything like that? Let me start with you, Sri. Yeah. Um, uh, we, I've heard about this, and I just want to help folks understand it. Uh, there are uh, organizations who had robots in use uh, from a perspective of uh, pulling this together, uh, but robots also need to be disinfected and cleaned and so on and so forth. Uh, what, uh, you know, success is, is something that we, we've been able to get to is is to see if we can get a, a physician in the room or a nurse in the room or uh, uh, somebody else in the room with the ability to do a virtual visit with patient inpatient situations. Um, I know some organizations are using teams to do that. Uh, as a way to, you know, get them on the same iPad and have a consult, real-time consult with the patient. Uh, that has definite, definitely uh, improved our ability to service our patients. Uh, but um, I think uh, uh, robots are great, uh, but robots with, with a lot of all these, um, what you would call uh, uh, medical devices that put in data in there uh, also have to be used at the same time. Uh, definitely robots are, are something that we will have in our clinics, in our uh, hospitals. Um, we just have to get patients to get more used to working with robots. That's something that we are seeing too So, as, as an industry. So we'll, we'll get there. We just have to figure out uh, how do we get those robots working effectively. Yeah, that may maybe that's not one of the go, go, go things that you throw it in the room and, and the MVP. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could picture some comically sad or bad situations with that going wrong. Uh, Chuck? Yeah, no, what I'm seeing the robots, I think, will come into play even before from a television standpoint. It's on supplies. You know, when you think about uh, the supply chain itself and and the hands that need to touch the supplies, which is a problem. And uh, so if you can get robots to do that type of delivery from a non-contact perspective. So the first time that the supply is touched by a human is when it's either put on their face or given to a patient in some way. And I, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of organizations are testing robots in, in that way. And that, that seems to make a lot of sense and can be done not in a go, 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 but in, in faster than, um, than dealing with patients. Kathy? I'd have to agree with both Siri and Chuck, but uh, to Chuck's point, I think there's a place for it, and it's not one of those that you implement now because it's so needed. It's one of those that you need to put thoughtful consideration yeah. to, and we're we're not really doing much on that robot standpoint in this in this pandemic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean robots. Robots, uh, robots ahead, have Siri. been used, uh, Anthony, in the past, and I, I know. 
uh, UCSF uh, has a robot that goes up and down delivering food to patients uh, based on patient requests. Uh, it's, and, and they are you know, sized enough to go through the elevators, go down to the floor, uh, pick up the food, go up the elevator, uh, carry medication as necessary. Uh, definitely useful there. Definitely something that we could, especially in an isolated patient kind of situation, very, very useful. But think about it. They also have to be disinfected. They also have to make sure that they don't, they don't become the germ carriers, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. there is that aspect of it that, you know, also people need to understand. Uh, you know, robots, robots are great, but they're also, uh, in this case specifically, uh, they also have surfaces uh, that could be germ carriers that really need to be disinfected every time they are being they come out of the uh, the room and go back in the room too. So uh, that's where uh, you see a difference. the The better thing would be to you know um, have something in the in the hallway and get a pipe in like a, for a vent or something like that. Uh, that would that I I've heard of several organizations do that. Uh, that would be more beneficial right now because you don't have to, because otherwise you have to go in and, you know, uh, disinfect the pipe back and forth every time you use it. Um, but of course, uh, that also has got its own consequences, right? The, uh, the amount of vent um, um, that's being utilized for one patient may not be the same as the patient next door. Uh, some of those challenges too. In fact, they're talking to some of our folks in New York City as they were walking through that um, through the process, uh, they were they had the uh, the vents, but they did not have the connectors. So they they had uh, 3D printers make connectors for those vents. Uh, something that we would not have done in the healthcare world on our own. Uh, but that that is, I mean, we would have said, well, it's not FDA approved. It's not this. It's not that. But that didn't happen. We got to save lives. So figure out how do we go build our you know print our own 3D connectors and go from there. Uh, definitely a lot of new stuff that we've done, which you'd never have done through this other, otherwise. Uh, and a lot of learning from here that might be something that uh, stays on with us for a long, long time. Very good. Uh, Wes, your thoughts on, on robots? You seem like kind of go like robots. Huh? Yeah, what, now, what would, what would lead you to say that, Anthony? <laughs> I bet you're a Star Trek fan. Come on. Um, yeah, I, I've just, I've, you know, anecdotally read, read stuff about uh, people starting to use the robots, and it's mostly along the, the what Sh- uh, Shri and Chuck were saying, uh, and that's and the delivery of supplies or delivery of food. Um, so, yeah, that's it. Hey, before we go on, I don't want to lose this thought. I've been a great panel. I've got a lot of interesting suggestions. Um, we have great customers in Pravada um, that have just been sending us use case after use case on how they've taken Improvata technology and used it in a different way to help with COVID, uh, the COVID-19 crisis. And if you go to improvata.com slash COVID-19, there's a list of 20 some odd uh, use cases, uh, new and innovative ways that our customers have told us that they're using uh, Improvata technology. So I want want to make uh, our viewers, our listeners aware that that resource is out there for you as well. Excellent. All right, I'm going to do our little guess with Wes on the um, the poll. So before I show the results, what's your guess on the first one? The U.S. healthcare system has stood up well. What do you think? Percentage agree? Uh, I think you're gonna. I think you're gonna be in the 85 percentile range. 85 percent. All right, it's it's a little higher than it is. That's a little high. We're talking 71%. I'll share that in a minute. Okay. So you're a little high there, but not terrible. Not terrible. Um, and the second question, uh, we, this is a new normal and, and things are not going to go back to the way they were. What's your number there? Oh, that's, that's in the high 90s. I'd say 95, 97. 97, I'll go with. 98. This man is amazing. Oh. This man is amazing. <laughs> and he's very special. And we're going to share the results now for this special man. Um, We are running short on time. I want to go around and give everyone a chance for some final thoughts here. Um, Something that Chuck has said a couple times, um, this is an amazing time to be in this space. 
you know, let's just not limit it to the provider side. So we got our friend West online, and I'm here. So uh, it's an amazing time for me. It's an amazing time for everybody in this space. Um, and sort of nothing is more invigorating than having a real mission, right? It gets everyone focused. It doesn't matter if you're working 15 hours a day. You can be working eight hours a day and be the most miserable person in the world if you don't feel like it's got meaning. You, work, you can work 15 hours a day in today's environment. You feel like you're having an impact. I think Kathy said a number of things like this. Um, so it is an amazing time and a historical time to be here. Um, so I'd like to get everybody's final thoughts. Anything you want to share with your CIO colleagues on the line? I don't know if anyone is feeling a little down, getting a little tired, a little exhausted, maybe doesn't have the support from leadership that they'd like. But um, just give me some inspirational words there. Not too much pressure. Uh, Chuck, let's start with you. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Andy. Actually, this is something that Kathy touched on earlier. I think what we're going to see, and this is what really excites me uh, about if there's something positive that's going to come out of, um, of, of COVID from an IT perspective, is that, you know, in a lot of organizations across the country, IT has always been considered it's just a cost center you know, tolerated cost center. And, you know, they, I think there's some some blame to go around both both sides. You know, if you don't have uh, a well-led IT organization with and um, good processes in place and things like that, that's an issue. And then, but there's also been expectation setting on the other side that um, is beyond the capabilities of IT. And I just think it's always, and, and finance views it as spending all the money in the organization. You've heard a lot of those things that's been going on for years and years and years. And I'll tell you, that beats up a CIO over time more than anything else. And I think we're past that point. I think what Kathy said earlier, that we're going to see a true partnership between our customer base, our users, and and uh, IT. Um, they finally see what we can actually do and also what the benefits are to them. And they, they just can't live without us. We certainly can't live without them, and so it's a true partnership now going forward. And I'm 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 praying that 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 stays and we don't fall back into kind of the old the old tolerated cost center mode uh, going forward. I, I don't think we will, um, but um, that to me, if there's any legacy that's left here from an IT perspective, that will be a big one. Kathy, I just want to piggyback on to what Chuck said that. Use this time to reinvent your IT department. There's never going to be another opportunity for you to change the image, change the structure, change the fixed fear mindset than now. Use it as a positive. What do you want it to be? How do you want it to run? How do you want to engage with your customers? How do you want to engage with leadership? And just, just do it. I mean, just there's never better time than to change than now. Excellent, Sri. Oh, go ahead, Kath. Finish. Go ahead. No, I, I was going to say, I just can't piggyback off of Chuck enough that you're the leader. Make it happen. You have the power. Excellent, Sri. My call is to people not in healthcare, but outside of healthcare. Not in tech, but outside tech. Get to understand technology. Mm. It's not... It's not being afraid of healthcare. Healthcare is here going to help get you, your father, mother, brother, daughter, singer, whatever, all close to each other through using technology. So that's one thing. The second thing is get to understand mobile. Live a mobile life more than what you can do than today. Talk to your physician and ask him, why can't you have a virtual visit and why do you really need to get to an office to see somebody? Okay. Yep. Get to understand medical devices and figure out how to use medical devices for yourself and for the betterment of people around you. Great points. Great points. Um, Wes, I'm going to give you the last word. Yeah. Uh, one of the questions uh, we had at the beginning, it said, uh, where are you going to invest your funds? Is it going to be in clinical or IT? And, you know, uh, if you listen to what Chuck and Kathy are, and Sri to some degree are saying, the answer to that should be yes. Because if you're in healthcare IT, when you're 
when they give when when you're building IT, you are building clinical, and, and mm. that's that's the mindset that 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 Chuck and I think Kathy are talking about is we don't see them distinctly. It's healthcare IT is clinical, but we are there to support the clinician. We are there so that our clinicians can provide care. And that's, that's what I think we're going to we're see come out of this is that they're not going to be thought of, are you going to invest in IT or clinical? The people are going to start thinking when I invest in healthcare IT, I am investing in clinical. Excellent. Well, that's about all we had time for today. What a tremendous panel. Uh, I want to thank everyone so much. Regarding continuing education, you can use the final slide in this deck for your CEU needs. You'll get an email when the on-demand recording for this event is ready. If you want to sponsor one of our upcoming events or book a custom event, you could reach out to Nancy Wilcox from our team, and you can go to our website to register for those upcoming events. So with that, I want to thank our amazing, tremendous panel, Kathy Ross, Chuck Podesta, Sri Bharadwaj, and Wes Wright. And I want to thank Improvada for continuing to support our events and bring great education to the CIO community. And I want to thank you, our attendees, for coming. And with that, everybody have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you.